I was just so kind of like afraid of boys. Welcome to the Still Christian Podcast, where we retrace our steps through evangelical culture, finding a new way forward without abandoning our faith. I'm Sarah. I'm Katie. And we are Still Christian. This week, we're talking about true love waits forever. So as someone who also grew up in the evangelical purity culture movement, what are some words that come to mind when you think about how you thought about sex during that time period? Forbidden. Can we go back and forth? Sure. Okay. Mine is forbidden. My first one. Next is scary. Off limits, which is still kind of forbidden, but I just, it needs to be reiterated. Okay. Um, dirty. Mm. Tempting. Punishable. You said dirty, but I would even say dirty word. It wasn't mm. really a word that yeah. we yeah. could say. And why? Why is that? Why was sex not a word we could say without giggling a little bit? Yeah. Or like having to lower your voice a little bit. It was a little bit of a curse word. You know, it just was, I think adults were more concerned with us not having sex than communicating that sex is a really beautiful, amazing thing. Yeah. You know, intended for marriage. Yes. Mm -hmm. So this idea of True love waits. If you really love someone, they'll be worth the wait. And we'll get into why we threw in that word forever because I think it became so ingrained to the point where it was harmful. And so even if you got married and you were allowed to have sex, it still wasn't freeing. Right. I think one of the lies of the um, true love waits movement, which is an actual movement that was started by, I think, the Baptist Sunday School Board in the early 90s, one of the promises was that if you did wait until marriage to have sex, sex would be more enjoyable and just absolutely Mm. amazing and, you know, take off right off the bat and everything would be wonderful, which of course is not true, but that was one of the sort of enticements to wait until marriage. Right. Um, You said I should ask you, or I should use the code word church people, that you have a story about True Love Waits Forever. I do. And this was really confusing to me because it's it's people that I respected and so, but I didn't know very well. Um, So I learned from one of my friends that a youth pastor at our church had recently gotten married, but had decided to not have sex with his wife for four months so that he could get to know her better as a friend and as a person. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. Prove his, his love to her by in other ways than sex. And in my mind, I was very confused because I did really respect these people. And I thought, oh, is that holier? Is that a good idea? But the other part of me thought, well, what has like dating and engagement been about for you if not Wow. How old were you at the time? I'm not going to lie. I was like 20. And so still (laughs) a little. I'm impressed. Yeah, but I'm impressed with your wisdom to think through that because I would have heard that probably not when I was 20, although maybe. Yeah. But I was, um, I would have heard that and been like, man, I want to do that. Like, cause it did feel very holy. It sounds really holy, doesn't it? Like waiting longer than you were technically required to wait. But, mm-hmm. and you know what? I, I don't know this person very well and they could, it could have turned out beautifully. I have no idea. That could have been something that 
he genuinely believed God was mm-hmm. inviting him to do and something that did end up serving his wife. But I also think it serves as an example of waiting is the ultimate. Like if you don't wait, you don't love someone kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I'm, I'm realizing hearing you say this, um, like especially because you were 20 at the time. When I was 20, the I think the only time I, at that point I had kissed a boy was for a school play. Love um, it. You because kissed. otherwise, I know, three different ones. Um, and <laughs> um, I was just so kind of like afraid of boys because I think because I mean partly maybe because I don't have brothers and I just like am just an awkward person. That might be part of it. But I think I was also taught from peers and from you know mentors sort of that boys especially have so little self-control right and of course I'm young and therefore uncontrolled that if I kiss a boy then this will happen then this will happen I literally had and it will ultimately lead to sex which is the worst thing that could possibly happen well I think that gets back to maybe sort of the misaligned purpose of the true love weights movement it was more about from my experience more about fear keeping you from doing something that was biblically wrong and less about love motivating you to honor your own body and someone else's. Um, And I think anytime fear is the primary motivator, fear of, you know, STDs or fear of your partner rejecting you or fear of judgment, fear of guilt or shame, fear of pregnancy, that's not ultimately what leads to transformation. Mm -hmm. It, It leads to just paralyzation or frustration. And what happens when one of those fears comes true? What is yeah. that? How does that change your view of God, your view of yourself, your view of your community? You're, you're covered in so much shame. Right. Well, it puts the onus on you to preserve your purity instead of God being the one. Like when we're in Christ, we are made pure. But I think the True Love Waits movement puts it all on teenage kids more often girls because apparently women have better self-control like you were mentioning before yeah i think the the concept of a man or a boy's role versus a woman or a girl's role and all this is really interesting because i think i remember being taught that boys or men i'll i'll say men because as a Do now it. woman not a girl woman. i feel weird talking about boys and their sexual urges <laughs> yeah um but men are so visual and women are really right. emotional. And so we need to be really mindful that they see us and they see what we're wearing. And so it is our responsibility to keep their sexual urges under control. Right. Whether it's us being the one to say, you know, we're kissing and like, we need to stop or mm-hmm. us making sure we're not wearing form-fitting clothing or whatever. Yeah. And then on top of that, when we are married, that we, the women, the woman, I guess, my role is to please my husband sexually and to be, I'm there for him. But there's no sense of like him being there for me or it being an equal partnership in that sense. And there's no sense of responsibility for the man pre-marriage either because he just can't control himself. Right. Right. And then when you get into marriage, if the woman had, because everyone's personalities are different. The reality is that some women have stronger sexual appetites than men. 
And mm-hmm. so if you come into a marriage and as the woman you think, you know, I, or you were taught, I have to please my husband sexually, he's going to want to have sex every single night and I have to give that to him, especially so that he doesn't look elsewhere. It's my responsibility right. to keep everything, you know, in check for him. But what if it turns out that you're the more sexual, the, the person with the more more of an appetite for sex and what happens then? There's just so much. I'm a little worried that we're like spiraling because there's so many different yeah. layers to this. Well, I think to to bring it all together, you're talking about how it's a woman's responsibility both outside and inside marriage to keep sex a-okay and above board and to not give anything and then to give more than enough. That's a great way to say it. Yeah. That takes the love out of everything and it is very fear-inducing and shame-inducing. So take us back, because I know you have a lot to say about purity culture. Take us back to 16-year-old Sarah who sat at a conference and they said, intimacy means into me see. Have you heard that? (laughs) I remember writing it down in a notebook. (laughs) That becomes problematic. Like if you think about it just a little longer than 10 seconds. What do you want to know about intimacy? No, just like, um, I know you have thoughts to share about purity culture and what it was like as a teenager, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think in, in sort of researching for this post and trying to get behind, okay, was this an actual movement? Was this more just like a, a Southern, like Bible belt purity thing? Because I experienced this the most when I was living in a, in a Southern state, but I think learning that it, it actually was like a a concentrated movement. I mean, I think in 1996, there were over 300,000 purity pledge cards placed on the the national lawn, like in front of the white house as a, as a symbol that all these teens. Yeah. So it was, it was a huge movement and, you know, no wonder we're all a little confused, but some of the some of the articles I was reading about about women who have come out of this are saying like, well, I'll, I'll read you a quote from one of them. Sex is a good and sacred gift from God, but the True Love Waits movement sometimes sends a message that it is too sacred to even learn about until marriage. Oh, I love that because I do too. The idea of today I'm engaged, but tomorrow I'm married. So today it's off limits, but tomorrow it's not. And we're going to know what to do and it's going to be fun. I think I've heard stories from so many people where their wedding night was kind of, and not just the wedding night, but like the beginning of marriage was kind of traumatic because all of a sudden, this is not just like, okay, but it's expected. It's good. You know, it's all of these things and no one really prepared them for that. Right. Because like all all you had to do was wait Mm -hmm. and everything would be taken care of. Exactly. And you'll be magically prepared or maybe there's no sense of you don't need to be prepared because it's not that type of thing but it's like no it, it is that's I mean people say too that um I, I always remember hearing like the sex that you have like 10 15 20 years into marriage is better than the sex of the wedding night when everyone puts so much right pressure on the wedding night I guess so there's there's not a lot of grace either in waiting or in marriage. Like it, it goes from zero to 60 in a matter of hours. And I don't think that's kind or honoring to virtually as a Christian girl, I knew like almost nothing about my body and about sex because I tried so hard. And this wasn't something my parents did. This is just something I intuited from sort of the youth group 
culture around me that, you know, nothing was more important than staying pure. And I remember being at a youth group event and one of the moms of my friends uh, passed around this this tiny little beautiful delicate rosebud that in a circle of about 15 girls. And she really encouraged us to smell it and to touch it and to feel it and, you know, do whatever we wanted with the rose. And then when the rose came back to her, she pulled out a new rose and held up the new rose against the rose that was like slightly battered because everyone had touched it and said, now, which rose do you think your husband wants? The one that's been passed around to everybody and touched or this new fresh rose? And that just put the fear of God in me that I needed to be this perfect rose. And I think it's because I, I trusted that person that I was so easily sort that I didn't, you know, have any sort of critical thinking around it. I, I guess I was just like, yeah, right, I guess blind following. True. Right. I mean, when a church authority tells you mm-hmm. something, your first instinct as a young Christian isn't to second guess it, you know, right. and as someone who wants to fit in with her, like very Christian peers. You're not going to be the one who's like, that's cruel and unusual. <laughs> you know? It's funny so. because when you started talking about it, I knew exactly what you were going to say. And I, I pictured, like I knew what the illustration of the rose was going to be. I yeah. pictured, um, have you seen Jane the Virgin? No, I really want to. Though. Oh, you truth. should. It's so, it's so fun. Um, but they have the rose metaphor and everything. And she like keeps looking at it on the wall and it haunts her and everything. And I kind of thought like, as you start talking, I'm like, I'm, I know I'm going to have to like keep myself from laughing because this is such a ridiculous thing, but really like hearing you say it and picturing this made me so sad because again, what Mm. about, first of all, it's so not true. Your husband's not going to want you, you dirty slut. Am I allowed to say slut? But that's what that, Sorry, that's what that um, <laughs> communicates. And and what if you are that person that you know, quote unquote, messes up? What if you are that person that gets pregnant and your your baby daddy? Am I allowed to say baby? Am I allowed to say baby daddy? This is like <laughs> off off the rails. <laughs> but like, you know, what if you're not with him anymore, and then you're just this young mom with a kid, mm-hmm. and you just know no one wants you. How harmful and untrue is that? Particularly like look at all these people that Jesus went to in the Old Testament, sorry, in the New Testament that were unwanted by society. And he got down at their level and he showed that God loves every single person. He cares about them. And he went out of his way to show, yes, even this person that the rest of you have rejected is so dear to me. And that makes me think of a, a sermon series that Drew did called Unclean. And it was about how Jesus being around people that society viewed as impure didn't make Jesus impure. It made those people clean. But the message of True Love Waits is that being sexually impure will create this heart, this distance between you and God and that you become unclean and you lose your purity as a Christian and that you know, only more waiting and another pledge to keep waiting will restore it to you, which again, places all of the power within your hands to keep yourself pure, which is way too much of a burden for anybody. It's interesting that the goal is a clean slate in terms of like virginity rather than like saying, I, you know, I did this thing or these things, you know, whatever, like I had sex and that's not what God intended for me, but he can redeem that. Not just like, we're going to, I don't know, like we're not, we're going to pretend it doesn't mm-hmm. exist. I don't know if that's what they intend, but that's kind of what I hear. Like 
well, now you're a virgin again. Congrats, because that's the goal. Rather than like whatever you're coming in with, God accepts you and he wants to redeem you and he has good things planned for you. And you don't have to come in with the virgin card to receive those good things. So what would you say the goal of purity in general is? Like not just sexual purity, but because I think that's one of the problems of this, the true love weights thing is that it isolates sexual purity from whole living purity or holiness. I think you need to answer that question. I want to hear what you have to say, because that's such a loaded question. And honestly, for me, the word purity is so linked to the word sex because of this faulty relationship, I think, or these teachings that like really are not sound. Yeah, I think that's totally valid because that's, that's the most often that I've heard the word purity in church has, I mean, in fact, I I can almost say the only time I've heard purity used in church was talking about sexual abstinence and sexual abstinence. Not because I think there's a difference between sexual purity and sexual abstinence. Can I share just a funny thing about abstinence really quick? Oh, yeah. So in high school, I was sitting at the lunch table one day and it was very much like the lunch table debate club. And one guy was like very proudly and clearly an atheist, I think he called himself. I don't know if he would use the same word today, but anyway, Mm -hmm. he was apparently atheist. We were the Christians. I didn't really engage in the discussion because they were all just a lot smarter than me, but they were talking about this idea of sex and that abstinence is the answer, whatever, at least that's what the church teaches. And I will never forget this guy pounding his fists on the table and saying, abstinence is not foolproof and everyone laughing because they were like well actually it is like you can't get pregnant if you're abstinent <laughs> you know and i remember <laughs> but he like thinking to say <laughs> right i remember just thinking like i don't get it like i must not know what these words mean because i think abstinence is foolproof in terms of getting pregnant what he meant of course was teaching abstinence is not foolproof but I'm curious what you think, if I can just go back to that really quick. What was the purpose of this quote unquote sexual purity? What was the purpose of not having sex before marriage as it was taught to us? Yeah, it was more about, again, being defined, Christians being defined by what we don't do than what we do. So God doesn't want us to have sex before marriage. Therefore, don't do it. Here's some reasons why. Because sex will be so much better if you wait. It's a guarantee. That is not true. Mm-hmm. And to avoid shame, to avoid STD. Like, it's more about, again, more about fear. I'm also wondering, though, if it was, and, and I mean, I don't know if this is fair, but part of the founders' imp- like desire in shaping this movement was to avoid their own shame, whether sexually or shame over a generation of Christian kids who just couldn't keep it together. I'm not sure yeah. if it was, I, I always wonder if things like these that are, are tend towards legalism are more about control than they are about genuine well-being for the, the kids, the teenagers. I mean, I think, I think things that are good can easily become warped when put right. into human hands. The reality is that waiting till marriage to have sex is good, but it's not like it can't, again, to use a Christian phrase, be an idol, like so, so much more we focus on waiting than actual purity, which is like holy set apart living before God. I don't think I answered that well, but something I wrote before talking tonight is that purity is not just for the preservation of something we're terrified to lose. 
but for the refreshment of those who have already lost much. I read this verse in Philippians. It was like the verse of the day today, and I thought it was really appropriate for our conversation tonight. It's in Philippians 2 in the message, and it says, Go out into the world uncorrupted, a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and the living God. So to me, that that is the purpose of purity, is to be a breath of fresh air in, in a world that is choking on its own on sin and deceit to provide people with a glimpse of good living in the living God. So it's not about being terrified to lose something. I think it really is about sharing the goodness and beauty and truth of what we have with the world, with our future partner, in our relationship with God. Does that make sense? It's interesting when you read that verse that I, Mm -hmm. the first thing that came to mind was, wow, how easily someone can twist this. How did it start? Go out into the world Uncorrupted. Yeah, go out into the world uncorrupted. I will be uncorrupted. I will not right. have sex before marriage. Right. Well, that word has been has been corrupted by yes, because corruption. Yes, corruption is so much, especially like the word corruption. Usually, we think of in terms of politics, um, mm-hmm. which I think just goes to show that there's so much more to corruption, to purity, than sex or than politics. Right. Like. It just has become so narrow-minded. And I wonder, kind of going back to what you said about why did someone start this movement? Mm -hmm. I wonder why it it came about this way that purity equaled sex or it was only in reference to sex. I have no no idea. But I, I wonder if the verse could also contain within it the message to go out into the world uncorrupted by false religion Mm. or by, you know, false ideas of what it actually means to follow God. In our day and time, it would be go out into the world uncorrupted by the purity Mm -hmm. movement. The word uncorrupted makes me think true and free. Mm. Because if you are living in God's truth, that means that you hear these teachings in youth group, in church, wherever, and you're able to discern what's actually true. And that kind of builds confidence and it frees you from other people's expectations and even maybe your own expectations that were influenced by their teachings. Yeah. I've talked to a lot of, I mean, a lot of our friends have experienced the same thing. I've talked to a lot of people who've experienced the effects of the true love weights movement. And I don't know that any of them would say they loved the move. I think they would say, I'm grateful that I waited, but I'm really, I've been really harmed by what I experienced in that movement. And like those wounds haven't really gone away yet. And I'm still, I'm still healing from that. Do you feel you that know? way? Yeah, I do. I do feel grateful that I waited. I don't, but the purpose of waiting, like it can't be for that person. I think that that's what I realized. It can't be for Ooh, your husband. Yes. It has to be for you and God. And So, you know, my first marriage didn't work out. And part of me was like, man, why did I even wait? And then the rest of me is like, that wasn't really for him. That was for you. And that was for you and God. And that's Mm -hmm. not something that can be taken away from you, no matter what this guy does. I think you brought up a really good point that the waiting was for the husband. The waiting we were taught was for your husband. Or, you know, we're women, so we're saying husband. But, like, it was for your spouse to make them happy and so that you could be Mm -hmm. fulfilled And it made an ultimate thing out of a good thing. Marriage is an amazing thing, but, you know, it's not what ultimately fulfills us. No. And And it's not the only thing that 
can be good and fulfilling in this life. It's not the only way of life. That of course, not good. everyone gets married and not everyone needs to get married or should get married. And that doesn't mean that they are living unfulfilled lives. shared my experience about how true love waits wasn't worth it in the technical terms, but was worth it in terms of my relationship with me and God. Um, So Sarah, I'd love to hear a little bit about your experience of true love waits and how that impacted you. Yeah. So I have to say that I'm very passionate about this topic because I think the idea of sex, my relationship with sex as taught by the Christian community growing up, this is the thing that harmed me the most. And Mm. I'm just really passionate about it because I had, I I went through a lot of experiences because of this unnecessarily, I think. So I already kind of mentioned that I was like afraid of boys. And I think part of it I can attribute to the True Love Waits movement. But also I like what you said earlier that it didn't prepare us other than like saying don't have sex, which isn't actually preparation for having sex. But I resented that so much when I, and I've kind of shared this in past episodes, I think when I um, moved to New York and people were drinking and they were having sex and I was like, I don't know how to do either of those things. And I was so embarrassed because I was not prepared for this. And I also didn't really know much about my body. And it's kind of comical, like the way that I thought about my body and how sex worked. For me, the natural response was rebellion. And well, this idea, like subscribing to this idea of like remaining sexually pure and waiting for my husband and all of this, it's gotten me nowhere other than embarrassment. And so forget this, I'm going to do what I want and I'm going to do what feels good. And you know, all of this, it's just so funny too, because I started like very small, like I would make out with a guy, but like we wouldn't go all the way. The point is I was wildly unprepared. I hated that. So I did whatever I wanted and it was not helpful. I think I wanted to live life according to my own rules. I also think that I wanted to prove people wrong. I wanted to prove that you could have sex and not get struck by lightning. You shared about that you waited and it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it in terms of like, if you do this, then this will happen. Right. Like nothing that was promised was fulfilled. My husband absolutely cheated on me no matter how much I did or didn't give. And he had not waited until marriage. And so basically it wasn't worth it for the reasons that were promised. Right. Right. Yes. Thank you for (laughs) (laughs) the point is waiting is not (laughs) worth it. I'm just kidding. No, but for me, I chose to not wait and It's just interesting how it worked out because I made so many like stupid decisions. I also like in that time of my life, I dreaded when I would go to the doctor's office and they would ask if I was sexually active because I just was so ashamed that I had to Mm -hmm. say, yes, I am. Like I just was, it was so embarrassing for me because it was taught that that was like a bad thing. And granted, it wasn't a good thing in my life at the time. Like that was not a wise choice. But when do they know to stop asking you that? That's my question. Because apparently they just like I don't know. <laughs> stopped. I, 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 yeah. I'm like, what gives every right, time they ask? Right. I want to be like, are you? <laughs> yeah. Are you? <laughs> Let's talk about it. Well, can I ask what changed for you? Like what made you mm-hmm. sort of stop what you were doing? 
Well, yeah. I mean, I think I had started going to a church that I couldn't be invisible in anymore. I just remember like not being able to see these people that really truly cared about me and noticed that I was there every Sunday. And like, I remember, I think the pastor at the time asking me like, what did you do this morning? Because we had evening church. And in my mind, I'm like, I had sex with my boyfriend. But of course, I couldn't tell him that, you know? So it was just a time that God was starting to you know, God was convicting me and I was really starting to respond to it and and I couldn't avoid it anymore. But then what really, really changed things is that God brought my now husband into my life. And the whole time I was so worried about being judged by other Christians, which is why I didn't really tell them about who I spent my time with or the fact that I was having sex, you know, things like this. And then God brought my husband in and he was just, we were just friends, but he has always been the kind of guy that he kind of had this reputation of like kind of coming alongside girls. Hopefully this doesn't sound creepy or predatory. I swear it was uh, good natured, um, but like coming alongside them being like, listen, this is not good for you. And you know it, like we are here. We are your family. We love you. And when, and if you leave this behavior and it wasn't always like sex with some, with anyone Christian or not, sometimes it was just harmful life behaviors. But like when you leave that behavior, like just know that we are here and you won't be alone, you know? Mm -hmm. But anyway, he basically came alongside me and like kind of confronted me on that. Mm -hmm. And I realized that he wasn't judging me and you know, if he wasn't judging me, then God wasn't judging me, which again, to be clear, I was making poor decisions. Like what, how I was spending my time and who I was spending my time with wasn't good. It didn't strike me with lightning, but it also wasn't okay. And it wasn't good. And I just needed to be reminded that God forgives us and that God loves us and that he wants what's good for us, that he doesn't want what's not good for us because me having sex with random guys, even if it was just like one guy, you know, like a committed relationship, I still think like that's still not a wise decision. That's not what God wants for us because God knows what sex is really meant for, right? Well, I love that because that that redefines purity as living the life God wants for us, which is goodness and freedom. Yes. And there's no freedom in this true love waits for. There's just, I mean, other than on your wedding night, you're suddenly free, like all bets are off, but like that's not really free. No, it's not. Well, I love that the person that, you know, we were told would most be disappointed in you, which was your future husband, is actually the person that helped reframe your thinking about this and and change your life. It's interesting when I think about it now, because I feel like I'm very careful about how I explain that. God used my husband to Mm. pull me out of unhealthy sexual relationships. Basically, my husband did not judge me. God did not judge me. He helped me break out of that cycle and that dark time, that dark season, I guess. And that's just how it happened. And that's what I guess what worked for me. And God has his own ways to heal each person. And that's just my story. And I'm so grateful to be part of it. Thank you for sharing that. It's it's really lovely. And I, I think what I'm struck with is that true love waited for you in the sense that God we just waited for you to call on him, you know, and that if there's anything true about true love waits, it's that God is love and God is always waiting near us, for us, with us. Christian culture telling me not to have sex 
didn't prepare me for when I would have sex. I think ideally you would wait because sex is reserved for marriage and it's wonderful in marriage, but also you would be prepared and you wouldn't be afraid because it's unknown. I think that's a huge part of what's missing from that true love waits movement is is teaching you about the goodness of sex and preparing you for it. And it didn't do anything to combat shame over or or to bless sexual desire as good and how we were. That's what I was going to say that, that we're human and we are sexual beings. And like, I think of a friend who, when he was dating his now wife, they wouldn't sit on the same couch together, like even at opposite ends, because he was a wor- he was worried that he would get aroused. And those are actually just really normal human functions. And honestly, if you're sitting on a couch next to your girlfriend, or you know, you're sitting next to your boyfriend, and your heartbeat starts quickening, that's great because that means you're attracted to this person and you're healthy, right? But um, this idea of like being a sexual being is actually a beautiful thing. Yeah, we don't just erase ourselves as sexual beings until marriage. Like we're sexual exactly. beings from the day we're born, created in the image of God, which does not exclude sexuality. I mean, I'm not I'm not making implications about God, but it's not as if this one area of our lives is completely outside of God's design and he's he's kind of like, "Well, do your best, kids." Right. You know, if we go back to the very beginning of the story, that we're living in, you know, men and women were created to be naked and unashamed, both with each other and before God. And I would say, especially before God. Right. And I think that is the purpose of purity is living the before God life in a way that brings you freedom and joy. I just can't help but think in terms of naked and unashamed. If you ever have the joy to have a three-year-old one day Mm -hmm. who just like runs around fully naked (laughs) and like, just like enjoys, has no inhibition. Right. It's such a beautiful thing. And and like private parts are, I mean, they're, yes, they're private, but like they're just body parts. Like, you know, babies Mm -hmm. don't really have a concept of it, but like our three-year-old, I see that and I'm like, he's so free and it's so beautiful. And like, that's how we're all supposed to be. Well, thanks for joining us on this complex conversation. We hope it was helpful to you in some way. We would actually love to hear your thoughts and how many times you've been a virgin. And um, please do share with us. You can get us on email. You can get us on Instagram. We're really cool and hot and popping on Instagram. Still Christian Podcast. So thanks again for being here. And until next time. Bless your hearts. Bless your hearts.